This is Digital Pathology Today. Now, here's your host, Dr. Joseph Anderson. It's easy to get caught up in all the hype surrounding digital pathology, but what is actually involved in going digital? What steps are involved in digital pathology? We know about the scanner, obviously, and we know about viewing images. What about in between? What has to happen or can happen? And what other pieces of software might be necessary or even helpful? And what is an image management platform? Welcome to Digital Pathology Today. I'm Joe Anderson. We're talking with Coleman Stavish, co-founder and chief technology officer at ProSha, a leading provider of digital and computational pathology solutions. At ProSha, Coleman works with a team of engineers and scientists who develop enterprise software in use at leading laboratories and large biopharma companies around the world, as well as novel image classification systems showcased in Nature Scientific Reports. Previously, in the earliest days of the iPhone and his software career, Coleman developed iPhone applications with over a million downloads worldwide. We're going to be talking about workflows in digital pathology, the importance of the image management platform, and what are the considerations in going digital, and how can all of our software work together, and how can we truly realize the promise of digital pathology by incorporating AI algorithms and other tools. Coleman Stavish from ProShow, welcome to the podcast. Joe, thanks for having me. It's great to be on. Yeah, nice to have you. So tell us a little bit about ProSha. You guys have been making quite a splash in the last couple of years. How did you get started? Tell us a little bit about the early history of the company. What's your mission? What are you trying to accomplish there? And, and what, what products do you have for us on the market? Where we're focused today is, and where we have been focused uh, for the past several years, is bringing a positive change to cancer diagnosis through intelligent software. We think it'll fundamentally change the way pathology is practiced today. That's been the mission since the very early days before we were a company, you know, kind of very humble beginnings working out of uh, Johns Hopkins. There was uh, my two co-founders, David West and Nathan Bookbinder, uh, were working out of a, a research lab in, in Johns Hopkins, working with whole site images. I was connected with both of them prior, and we started working on this project to see if we could bring quantitative methods to augment the work of a pathologist. And it started with some very trivial algorithms just to measure the morphometric properties of, of nuclei and prostate biopsies. Pretty quickly, we realized that the algorithms are quite interesting and can have a, a big impact, but you need more than just algorithms. You need a software platform that can bring those algorithms to pathologists and enable pathologists to realize some of the cutting edge technology that's being developed in academic settings as well as commercial settings. And so fast forward a couple of years, you know, we were able to incorporate, uh, raise some venture capital funding and we're able to get our products into the hands of our first customers. And that, that was a really exciting you know, origin for us. The feedback of being able to get sort of early versions of our products into the hands of, of pathologists and scientists, people who are at the forefront of digital pathology, and to hear their feedback and to have their fingerprints on our products is really rewarding and still is a really rewarding part of the job. And you know, where we are today, we take a platform plus computational pathology approach to digital pathology. And what that means is uh, we have a flagship product uh, that's our concentric platform. That's an image management platform. And it's augmented by a portfolio of AI applications developed by ProSha, but also developed by third-party solutions providers, like such as Visiopharm, Ibex, and others, as well as algorithms that are being developed by some of our customers, really home, truly homegrown algorithms that have a home in the concentric platform and therefore are accessible to pathologists and scientists and, and researchers, uh, people who are working with whole site images. And so the mission has really been unchanged in the last seven years I've been working in digital pathology, but what we've been able to learn from our customers and from the market as a whole 
uh, and the field as a whole has been really incredible. And I think we've been able to fill in a lot more color over those years, but the fundamental mission has, has really remained true. I think this is a very, very exciting time to be involved in pathology. And people have been wondering, because I think over that time frame you're describing the last seven years, maybe if you could go back to 2014, you could say, well, where is the computing power, right? It's everywhere in our lives, particularly in consumer technology. But in pathology, I mean, it would be possible to sign out a case with literally no computing power. It's just a pathologist looking through a light microscope, which is over 100 years old, the technology, and his or her eyeballs making a diagnosis. And maybe you could say, well, the only computing power is in the LIS that you're using uh, you know, some kind of word processing system to type out your report and get it into the hands of the clinician. But really, in terms of making the diagnosis and managing your workflow, it will be possible to literally engage no computing power. So we're really, I think we're coming a very long way in a relatively short period of time, and it certainly is very exciting. And digital pathology, of course, has been with us, you know, the ability to take an image uh, and view it on a computer screen or monitor for about 20 plus years. But now there's so much more to it than just scanning the slide and looking at the image. So maybe give us an overview of what is actually involved in digital pathology, because I think the things you're describing there, like an image management platform and, you know, the ability to add on all these other tools many people may not know about. I mean, we know about scanning it and we know about looking at it, but what else has to happen and what is there an opportunity to happen in digital pathology? It is possible to sign out a case without computing systems. You want to have an LIS. You want to have a system of record. You probably want to have some word processing to produce a report. But in terms of making a diagnosis, a pathologist can do that with their eyeballs and, and a, a light microscope. And I think maybe, if anything, there is a piece of computing that's indispensable. It's the brain of the pathologist. That's the most important piece of the puzzle and, and will continue to be. That's not going to fundamentally change. But I think the mission and the challenge that I think has been facing digital pathology for quite some time is what sort of computing can we put around the pathologist that's going to be uh, truly complementary and not something that's going to be something that's not going to fall flat or solve the wrong problem or fail to meet, meet an expectation. And I think that's where you've seen a pretty impressive maturation in the last seven years. And of course, even beyond that, a lot of hard problems were solved in the last two decades about image acquisition, image quality, uh, scanning throughput. A lot of problems have been solved. But I do think looking back on my own experience in developing software for digital pathology, it was very easy to, to get an image and put it on the screen and say, well, here's a viewer. Why is no one using this? You know, it's very easy to say, well, we, we're a technology, we, you know, we, we make software. It's here's an image viewer. What else could you possibly want? You can zoom, you can use your mouse to move the image. What do you mean it's not going to totally change your world? And I think that's, uh, that was a humbling experience for me very early on in terms of building a, what looks like a cool piece of technology. And then you put it in front of pathologists and they say, well, what about this? What about this? I'm really comfortable with my microscope. Ergonomically, my microscope is better in all these different ways. And so that's something that I think as a whole, that anyone who's making software and digital pathology has learned that lesson. And I, if, you, if they haven't learned that lesson, they will soon, that you, you really need to go beyond just microscope to monitor. The microscope is a fantastic tool. And you can't just say, well, Google Maps for pathology, we're done. You have to go a lot deeper and you really have to understand the way the pathologist works. And that's something that's been really humbling for me and really rewarding to over the past couple of years, as we as a company have dug into that, we really think we can, we think we have built software that's going to, uh, that's going to enable the pathologist to say, yeah, you know, this is probably at the point where I can use this instead of my microscope. But that's something that, um, that involves some flashy new technology, but it also goes back to fundamentals. 
can we look at this? Can a pathologist interrogate this tissue and and have complementary software around it? Nice, you know, features that help the pathologist don't get in the way of the pathologist, but truly help the pathologist throughout their workflow. Whether that means some of the clerical things that might take up a lot of time, or maybe some of the just image navigation being or prioritization of cases, or some additional confidence in in how how an interpretation is being made with quantitative methods, et cetera. I think it's about finding ways and finding features and functions that that help the pathologists and don't trip them up. And I think that's way easier said than done. But I think the industry as a whole, and I do think Prosha has, has, has invested a lot in this recently, it, it has been to kind of get over that hump of just saying you have technology and wondering why no one's using it to saying, okay, we've thought through this some more. People put this on the road. They've road tested it. They've got some miles on it. And we we now have some iterations that are are in a much better situation. And I think truly at the point of helping the pathologists and not getting in their way. That was totally my experience. Like I remember around 2010 or so, scanners were available to be used and laboratories were deploying the scanners and you had the ability to view the slide on your monitor. That was done. But then the question is, well, now what? (laughs) And that's where I think there was maybe a disconnect between the tech world and the uh, pathologist world where people say, well, obviously you'd much rather look at this thing on your monitor. And the pathologist said, no, not necessarily. This is what I'm used to. And it's fast. I take up a glass slide and whip it across the microscope stage. I look at it. It's easy. It's familiar. It's actually way faster. I don't have to spend an extra day scanning the slides. So I think there was a disconnect there that people didn't appreciate how in love pathologists were with their microscopes, or maybe not in love, but how comfortable they were with the microscope. And then I remember personally, I had this case and I wanted to show it to someone in Seattle. I was in San Francisco. I wanted to show it to someone in Seattle. I think, okay, I'll just, that's easy. I'll just, uh, just log on and we'll look at it together. That didn't happen, right? It was some elaborate process where this person had to create an account with this server and passwords and logons and it just wasn't happening. And finally she said, just FedEx me the slide, right? So <laughs> there was a long way to go between just the ability to look at the image on your monitor and actually do something productive and incorporate it into the workflow. So what exactly is an image management platform? You know, what was the missing link? What kind of software tools do we need to add once we scan the slide? That anecdote, Joe, is, is a really telling one. And I think it, I've heard a similar story from other pathologists I think it really cuts to the core of where there has historically been a disconnect between the technology world and the the real pathology world. And just, I think, misaligned expectations about what it takes to be a, a high throughput pathologist at working at the, to the top of your license. I think there was a, a wholesale misunder underestimation of what goes into that and what's required for that. And I think I think over time, the industry as a whole, and I, and I do think Prosha has made some serious bets on this thought, which is the software is going to be that missing link or that bridge layer between the acquisition of the images, which is obviously critically important, getting a crystal clear view of, of the tissue into the digital representation. It's critically important. And what the vendors have been able to do on that front over the past, even just a couple of years has been incredible to see the uh, innovation on the scanner side. And I think you're at the point now where you can credibly say, there's still a lot of innovation happening, but some of these problems are, are becoming solved, which is really, it's kind of lifting up, it's lifting up a curtain. And I think now that the attention has has shifted rightfully to the that image management platform, that that next layer of the technology stack, which is where the pathologist and other people in the lab are going to be interacting quite heavily with that solution. 
And I think the definition of image management platform has really been filled out over the past couple of years as more attention has gone to it. So it used to be, okay, we can view the image, we can view these digital slides, and maybe we can only view the digital slides from one particular scanner, the one that we got bundled with it or the one that produced this particular format. And we can view them and we have annotation tools and we can measure things. And maybe we can send somebody a link to view it remotely. But you know, as you noted, there, there could be some challenges with that also. And I think it kind of started out with that sort of basic image viewing with a little bit extra in terms of being able to organize. Maybe you can assign an image to a particular structure that corresponds to a case, something like that. That was, I think, a, a good starting point. But I don't think enough, clearly not enough to really for a pathology practice to dive headfirst in and say, this is going to be the way we work from now on. Uh, and I think with the new attention and and the, the fact that pathologists have taken chances and have provided a lot of feedback to companies like ProSha and, other, and others out there, I think the image management system, our understanding and expectations have matured uh, from both the pathologist's perspective and the vendor's perspective to now where we're thinking about, I think, the whole workflow. We used to be in this mindset of, oh, well, you can view the image, you know, everything else will kind of fall into place. And that's, that couldn't be further from the truth. I think you have to think about the whole workflow in terms of scanning, in terms of LIS, what sort of data is being exchanged with the LIS. And everyone likes to say bi-directional, 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 but that's also easier said than done. What, what do you actually want to do in the LIS versus the image management platform? And I, and I think where things stand today, the image management platform needs to be able to ingest images from a variety of different scanners, looking at the high throughput bright field scanners, looking at potentially frozens as well. Also looking at multiplex and, and cytology as well, if, if people start to look at that, look at those additional use cases. And so I think you need an image management system that can support the departments or the or the practices full workload and not to have three different softwares that you use depending on what type of case it is. So I think you need that sort of level, that base level of interoperability with the different images that we have out there. You also need to have an ability to organize, automatically assemble those slides, those digital slides into the proper structures, cases, parts, blocks, um, in a way that corresponds to the physical reality um, and can, can also correspond to the ground truth that's coming from the APLIS. Uh, and so I think the image management system really needs to be able to digitally assemble cases automatically and save some time for the uh, histotechnologists in the lab. And then for the pathologist, uh, being able to present a, a really world-class viewing experience that, again, it you can't necessarily create a digital microscope, but can you create something that is provides good enough ergonomics where a pathologist can say, this is worth investing my time. I'm willing to, this looks like it has enough potential that I'm willing to invest a couple weeks of my time to learn it and get comfortable with it and then begin using it in a, in a meaningful capacity. And I think there is going to be a, a learning curve for the pathologist. There's no question. But I think it's up to the vendors of the image management platform to really to make it, make it something that the pathologist is willing to take that chance on. So I think there's the ergonomics of the digital viewer, which are essential. If you're asking a pathologist to spend eight hours a day looking at something, it's gotta, it might not have all the same characteristics of a microscope, but it's gotta have its own new, new niceties and, and new, uh, new comforts, if you will. I think it's gotta have those things that, that are gonna let a pathologist take a chance on it. And then going beyond that image review, this is where we think about this new capability, new potential through computational pathology. And that is, can we layer in additional information that we didn't have before? Can we layer that on into the pathologist's daily routine workflow in a way that's going to help them and either be more confident, uh, be more accurate, et cetera, about a particular interpretation or task they're performing? 
something that can help the pathologist work to the top of their license, even if it's something as, as well understood as quantitative IHC scoring or something that's maybe less understood, but potentially very interesting in terms of an H&E-based algorithm that can potentially flag a discrepant diagnosis or, or flag a missed melanoma or flag a missed prostate uh, focus. There's all these different new applications that can, that can, I should say, maybe potentially introduce uh, new information that the pathologist might find valuable. And so I think the image management system is the place for that information to be presented to the pathologist. I don't think we're going to have success asking a pathologist to switch between three or four different application interfaces, depending on the particular case they're looking at. So I think the image management system, the duty of the image management system is, is now expanding to, to be that integration point, not just for the scanners, not just for the APLIS, but also for these computational applications, which can come from, as we're seeing, any number of different vendors or be potentially homegrown. So I think you're seeing that the IMS or image management system or platform is, is the integration point for those things, but it's not just an integration middleware. It is a front end for the pathologist to do their professional component work. That underscores the complexity of an image management platform and the fact that the expectations are that broad and that high. And I think anything less than that, and you're, you're going to have some people wondering if this is the, really the right move. An integration point. I think that's a good way to put it. And it's becoming an increasingly complex. I mean, even in the manual world, pathologists are used to switching between various things, you know, doing things in a very clunky way. In a typical lab, you might have competing LIS systems. You're certainly doing different tests, looking at different stains, right? And so there's a lot, of, I think pathologists are used to that, a lot of switching. And I think that's maybe, a, you know, closing down this application, opening this one. I think integrating things in a very centralized location, so to speak, I think is going to go a long way in helping, you know, pathologists perform better, more efficiently. And then it's also going to open up, you know, more and more possibilities. You mentioned computational pathology for one and new tools incorporating artificial intelligence. How does all of this work on a practical level? Where does the image management platform reside? Because it sounds complex. Does it reside in the cloud? And how does that work? And what are the considerations there? I think if you look at digital pathology adoption, the IT infrastructure question is one of the key questions, certainly. And it's one that I think is a little bit out of reach or just slightly further out of reach than some of the immediate questions that people think about, like what scanner to use or what image management platform do I want to use? Those are the immediate questions that come to mind. and, And that makes sense. But you quickly, once you gravitate towards a scanner you like or an image management platform that you like, the question immediately becomes the one you asked. Where does the software live? Where does the data live? What are the cost implications? How can I manage the cost responsibly and um, make sure that my cost-benefit equation is, is staying in a, in a comfortable place that, that's delivering value to the enterprise, but not creating a, r- a runaway cost that's new? And so I think you have to look at all those things when we're answering the IT infrastructure question. And the question about cloud is always one of those questions. And so I think, uh, what are the key considerations there? It really comes down to, I think fundamentally, what the IT department at the hospital systems, at the laboratory, at the enterprise, what are they most comfortable with? And let's start there, because it's so important to have the IT, you know, CIO, lab IT director, they need to be an ally in this process rather than someone who's just helping along the way. They need to be helped, you know, they need to be driving the bus along with some of the other key stakeholders. And so it's really important to have engagement with the IT early on to determine if cloud is the right option or not. And I think some laboratories 
are getting comfortable with cloud. They may have existing relationships with Microsoft Azure, Amazon Web Services, Google Cloud Platform. You're seeing a lot of these big cloud providers do outreach to uh, providers, big and small, to kind of get workloads onto the cloud. If that ball's already rolling at your organization, then it might be advantageous to, to kind of encourage that and let the IT department go through that assessment and determine if it's right or wrong for this particular application. But I think kind of going one layer below that, you have to look at some fundamental things like, do we have enough bandwidth to upload this data we're creating? We're talking about creating, you know, if we're scanning a thousand slides a day and each of those slides just is going to average at one gigabyte each, we're talking about a terabyte of data that's being created each day. And that needs to go to the cloud. For some labs, that's going to be doable out of the box. For other labs, that might require a capital investment to get a new fiber link or a, you know, a new uh, peering with an ISP, internet service provider. So I, I think there's that question of, is it even feasible to get all this data to the cloud in the first place? And in my own experience, I've, I've seen the answer be a resounding yes in some cases, and in some cases a resounding no. And that, that's not necessarily a bad thing. It's just you have to know what you're working with and you have to know your timelines and, and what's feasible and, and what your IT department's comfortable with. So you wanna be open to the idea of cloud, but just in case it doesn't work, it, that's not necessarily a problem. There's a great deal you can do with an on-premises or even a hybrid hybrid deployment model where part of the infrastructure and data is living on-premises and part of it's in the cloud. We've seen success um, with that where some of the archive can happen in the cloud, but some of the kind of that active working set of cases, like a maybe a couple months volume of cases, is stored on-premises and, and the software does live on-premises primarily. So I think you see um, the fact is it's a complicated world and you have to pick the right configuration that's going to work for your laboratory, for your practice, that's going to give you the most uh, support and uh, alliance with your IT department, I think, and, and kind of let them own that that discussion. But I think um, cloud is, is absolutely a viable deployment model in a way that I, I wouldn't have five years ago. I don't know if I would have said that exact thing. Maybe 10 years ago, I probably would have said that's very far off in the future. But I think now we're seeing laboratories actually run a lot of workloads in the cloud um, and they're able to get scalability that wouldn't be possible on-premises. They're able to get operational cost models that aren't possible in the on-prem world. And you're seeing the technology offerings from the major cloud providers come up a couple notches. And you're seeing the image management systems, like like including Concentric, um, being able to be you know cloud ready. And not all image management systems or AI solutions are cloud ready. And your Concentric does happen to be one that's cloud native. You know, we've, we've built it for the cloud since day one, but we can still deploy on-premises because a lot of customers are are still in that in that mindset, and there's there's really nothing wrong with that. But it's just a matter of knowing what you're comfortable with and what you can accomplish with the team you have. And uh, if cloud's part of that discussion, great. If not, you can still have a successful deployment, and you're likely to have a successful deployment because you've built the IT department into that decision making process and an implementation process. There certainly is a lot of data moving around, and it's only going to become more and more complex. And it also highlights the various practice settings, right? You can have a small group practice with a few pathologists to a small community hospital, ranging all the way to a, you know, a major healthcare system that has multiple sites networked together. So I think the solution is going to depend very much on, you know, factors such as that. And, you know, maybe, and you're talking about an IT department, some pathology groups may not even have an IT department. The practice setting or the possibilities to implement these solutions, I think, is very diverse, to say the least. So Prosha is launching uh, the next generation concentric platform. So maybe tell us 
what's new? What did the first generation look like? And then what lessons have you learned and what updates to features are you making on this next generation? From our innovation and sort of iteration process and development process with Concentric, and we've we've had this product out in the in the field in active use by different sorts of pathology groups. You know, whether it's um, whether it's people primarily on the doing research or um, or even life sciences biopharma side, all the way through different diagnostic use cases, like initially starting out with something as you know, low volume consultation to image analysis based assays to routine uh, primary diagnosis. We've been exposed to a lot and uh, we've gotten a tremendous amount of feedback from our customers um, in the years that we've, we've had this product on the market. And I think we all got together at, at ProSha and, and with some of our key partners and early customers and uh, sort of looked at you know, how are we going to raise the bar with this next generation image management platform, uh, Concentric DX. There's a few different pillars that we focused on. One is around scalability, just in terms of how much data, how many images can be managed at scale, how many concurrent viewers uh, or pathologists can be working with the images at the same time. Um, and to your point, are they all at the same location? Are they distributed across the country? Are they distributed across the world? What different uh, constraints and needs do they have? And can our system rise to that challenge? I think that that was really necessary because we built this product to be relevant to labs large and small, but some of the larger network laboratories those are the ones that are seeing some of the first order benefits of digital pathology sooner because they can workload balance across multiple disparate geographic areas. Um, they don't have to have pathologists going on a rotation across a couple of different sites. They can actually, and they don't have to FedEx as much maybe. You're seeing some of the biggest labs with the highest scalability requirements start to really dig into digital pathology first in some cases. And so scalability became a, a really a point of emphasis. And when I say a point of emphasis, it doesn't mean that we didn't care about scalability before. We, we always did. But in this case, we had customers with specific figures, you know, in the, in the high six figures into the millions of slides per year that they're producing. And we need to be able to say with confidence, yep, we have a track record and we have, we've done testing to demonstrate that this is going to scale to that level. So I think that from an IT standpoint, uh, scalability, really a key factor, something we've been able to raise the bar considerably from previous versions of Concentric to our latest version, we do think it compares very well to other solutions in the market. We do think it compares favorably to the level of scalability that other solutions can offer. And secondly, ergonomics for the pathologist was probably the biggest emphasis. This is where we spent countless hours working with some of our pathologists on staff. Uh, that includes our chief medical officer, uh, Dr. Mike Bonham, our digital transformation officer, uh, Monica Santamaria Frias really kind of day in and day out working with our design team and developers to say, this is what I would expect. I've spent decades using a microscope. I know what it means to push glass. This little thing you might not, you might not have thought about, if you do this, it's going to save me 20 minutes a day which or more or, or whatever it may be. And so things like that, we spent a lot of time working with our own pathologists, with pathologists from different types of groups, you know, large AMCs, commercial reference labs, not just in the US, but also uh, internationally as well and trying to improve the ergonomics considerably. And so we, we did totally redesign our viewer and the controls that the pathologist uses to drill down into a case, open up digital slides, and complete the review process. Um, that, that's something that we spent a lot of time on. And the third area where, which is very much related to that second area, is the introduction or the layering on of the computational pathology ecosystem. And we fundamentally believe that the routine pathologist review is not just replicating the microscope on the digital screen. It's making a compelling and usable ergonomic 
experience, but also introducing new information that, that just didn't exist in the microscope analog world. And so when we think about redesigning and that, that user experience for the pathologist, that goes hand in hand with what additional information can we introduce or potentially introduce? Let's say in two years, let's say in six months or, or 12 months, a new AI application comes out that offers some incredible utility or some incredible new information that, that pathologists are starting to try out and validate. We wanted to make sure Concentric has a place for that information that's already been designed for, already been battle-tested by some pathologists who have who've helped shape this interface. Make sure that information can be layered in in a really seamless way on top of that core pathology review uh, user experience. So those are the areas I, I'd, I'd kind of say maybe three pillars, but I'd say maybe those last two pillars really blur together because that's how we see the routine pathology workflow evolving over the coming months and years. This isn't about replicating what we've always done, right? I think one of the true promises here is allowing us to do things that were up until this point never before possible, right? In terms of optimizing the workflow and then adding, layering in, you know, the power of computational pathology and adding predictive and prognostic information, things that are ultimately going to be useful to doctors and patients. So let's talk about these add-ons, I think, which is really getting a lot of people excited. You mentioned partnerships with groups such as VisioPharm and Ibex. I kind of look at it as, you know, in terms of add-ons, kind of two large buckets. One would be methods to optimize the pathologist's workflow, you know, incorporating AI-based technologies to get the right case to the right pathologist at the right place. And then other tools to add in computational pathology, such as second review of prostate or breast biopsies and probably more and more different scenarios in the future. So how is this going to work? What does this look like? You know, our ability to add on these tools to the base platform. The way you describe that, Joe, in terms of workflow applications and then additional tools that might be doing something like a second review, um, or maybe something that might be outside of the core workflow, but it's a new image-based assay. Some of these are you know, still in the conceptual phase or, or still kind of in the development cycle, but we've seen some really cool work come out of um, a company called Cernostics uh, based in Pittsburgh. They're one of our, they're a customer of Concentric, but they've developed a, a really compelling uh, image-based assay that's augmenting, that's kind of outside of the routine workflow, but it's really augmenting the review of esophageal biopsies. So looking at, I think, a broad spectrum of applications, workflow, sort of triaging, prioritizing tools, the things that might be layered onto the routine review of the pathologist, like maybe some sort of screening tools or second review tools. And then I think a new a new kind of world of applications that might be just information that doesn't exist right now, period, in, in pathology, something that's not being done by a pathologist right now. And so I think if you look at that universe, you're going to see new tools being developed from different vendors. Some of them will be homegrown by laboratories and pathology departments themselves. And you're going to see them at different stages of maturity, different stages of regulatory clearance or approval. And you're going to see a varying willingness from pathologists to try them. You know, some pathologists are going to be very gung-ho and want to start piloting some of these tools right away. They want to be on the forefront. Others, very understandably, are going to want to wait and see, read some more literature, maybe see some clinical studies, maybe wait for their guidance from the FDA before they want to dive in. But I think you're already seeing the fact that there's people ready to start adopting some of these and even in a very cautious, limited capacity. And I think it's really important that people Remember that this is, it's so important that we are very careful with the claims that we're making, that we are underselling rather than overselling. And I'd, I would much rather have a pathologist try something out that's been cautiously presented and have the pathologist 
get all excited about what it could do and what future work, future validation, rather than have the vendor be the cheerleader. And I say that for ProSha, I say that for any any company out there. I really want to see computational pathology and the maturity there be pathologist-led rather than vendor-led or even FDA-led in that sense. I, I think I, I really want to see that that groundswell from pathologists themselves. And I think that's going to be the right checks and balances to make sure that we as vendors stay on the right path, build the right applications, market them appropriately, critically validate them appropriately. So I think that that's just a you know little bit of a you know, me getting a little bit preachy there on, on how on how this, some of this technology can develop. And I, I think we're on the right track so far from a technology standpoint and like an application standpoint, the image management system really needs to be able to plug in those different applications and ideally in a way that that has some kind of standard and repeatable elements so that an image manager, you know, for Concentric, for example, you know, we pride ourselves in the in the API that we make available to our partners as well as our customers uh, to be able to inject their applications into that workflow. And there's still some unsolved problems there about the right level of interoperability. What's the right user interaction? Are there unanswered regulatory questions with how results are presented or et cetera? But just fundamentally from a technology standpoint, we do want this to be an open platform where as a user of Concentric, you can plug in any number of different applications. And Prosha is going to be there developing and investing in its partnerships and its own applications. But at the end of the day, you might have your own application that you developed. You might have purchased another application from a different vendor. And there needs to be a way to plug that into the image management platform that you've already bought. So I think there's abiding by all the different regulations and, and rules that are out there for good reason. I think fundamentally, you know, I strongly believe that if you buy something, you should be able to open up the hood, you know, work with an API of some kind and be able to, I wouldn't say necessarily rebuild it or modify it in any way you want, but be able to plug in new data, um, be able to build on top of it in a way that's going to future-proof your investment and, and make sure that you're not being closed out from the new innovation that's happening all around us. I think we can't even predict what's going to what new publications we're going to see, what new studies we're going to see, what new apps we're going to see in even just nine to 12 months from now. And I think, therefore, as an image management vendor, we have to make sure that our customers are equipped to be future ready when those applications reach the maturity stage that our customers say is necessary for them to start using them. So I think that that's how we think about it. Um, it's built on you know an open API that lets our customers have some autonomy as far as what gets plugged in and keeps them exposed to the world of innovation that's happening and lets them opt in at their at the pace that they want and are comfortable with. So you want to do it the right way. It sounds like your philosophy is kind of, from your perspective, under promise and over deliver. And then at the very least, make it open because we don't know what the future is going to hold. Things have been moving so fast, so quickly. And like you said, next year, we could have a whole variety of tools that we couldn't even have thought of, <laughs> you know, just last week or last year. So I think it is very exciting times. Coleman Stavish from Prosha, thank you so much for being with us. So before we wrap up, where do you think things are headed in the next uh, five to 10 years? What do you see the future looking like? It's really been a pleasure to be on uh, and have this conversation with you. And I think maybe just to summarize, I do think we're going to see adoption of digital pathology, the pace of adoption pick up considerably, and it's going to be driven by these kinds of things you can't do with a microscope by itself. And I think that's what you already saw, the adoption of digital pathology in life sciences, in research settings. It was driven by applications, things you just couldn't do with the analog world by itself, whether that be quantification, uh, different early AI algorithms that were useful in a research setting. That drove a huge amount of the scanner adoption and, and digital pathology adoption in, in life sciences. And it's, I think you're going to see the same trend unfold here where 
it's not just a microscope to monitor. It's not just the logistic benefits of digital pathology of being able to use something remotely. We know how useful that is. And, and for some enterprises, that's more than enough to justify the investment. But I think you're for that early majority and late majority adoption of digital pathology, it's going to be driven by things you just couldn't do without the digital pathology and without those computational applications. And so I think as that technology matures over the coming years, you're going to see more and more people say, it's irresponsible for me not to adopt this technology at a certain level. I'm not saying every lab is going to be 100% digital in five years. I think different labs, you know, different, there's different economics for different labs. Some labs are going to be able to reap better, more benefits than others based on the type of work they do, the type of clients they have, how they're structured, the maturity of different technology that they're interested in. But I think fundamentally, you're going to see a big pull created by uh, new applications that just, or a new information that is now determined to be important for pathology diagnosis. So, and I think a lot of stuff we, we can't even imagine right now specifically, we can speculate, but I think it's going to be a pull force that's things that we, we couldn't do. And we now feel like if we don't do, we're going to be doing our patients a disservice, or we're going to be falling behind some of our competitors. Uh, and we, we have to start adopting at some level. And so I think that's just like you saw in life sciences 10 years ago, there was a big pull from the technology. You're going to see that pull here. Of course, in diagnostics, the bar is way higher. The development cycles, regulatory cycles are much longer. But I think the same fundamental forces are at play. And I think that the opportunity is even more, more compelling and more exciting, just given the fact that it is diagnostics. And it, it's such an important part of medicine as a whole, pathology is. So thinking about what, everything that happens downstream, I think you're going to start to see more and more attention on pathology because of the, of the outsized impact it has on downstream patient care. And I hope to see more and more investment that creates a positive feedback loop in terms of both the vendor side as well as the, the customer side, provider side. So I do think it's an optimistic view that I have, and I am very optimistic. I am very excited about what the future holds. Every day we see new indicators about success stories, even if they're modest, I think build credibility for the whole field. You got to undersell and overdeliver or meet expectations to, to make this a reality. So I, I really, you know, as a vendor and anyone who's on the forefront uh, of adopting the technology, we got to be really credible. We have to listen to the market. And we have to build the tools that are going to create that demand that cannot be denied. A demand that cannot be denied. I think that's a, one, a wonderful way to put it and putting more and more attention on pathology, which we've known has been important in medicine. But I think you're absolutely right that you know what we do is, is coming to the forefront. And I think digital pathology is really only helping to advance the cause. Well, Coleman Stavish from Prosha has been our guest. We'll see you next time on Digital Pathology Today. This has been Digital Pathology Today. Please be sure to subscribe. Thanks for listening.